evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, this is the first episode of the、um, podcast. Well, I actually haven't decided name yet because I wanted to use Radio Liberty, but、um, do let me know what what I should put a name on、uh, because Radio Liberty is owned by United States government, so I can't use it.、Um, today, I brought you.、Um, A very special guest, a very good friend of mine, Gabriel Pierzynski. Welcome,、um, Gabriel. What do you study? Oh,、uh, hi. Thanks a lot for being here.、Uh, I'm, I'm, I really appreciate the invitation. So I'm doing、uh, politics and philosophy at the、uh, University of Bristol. So、yeah. same university as you. Yeah, politics and philosophy. You know, that's、um, that's something that I actually have never thought of because you know it is something. It's a combination of. Rather two different things. Well, actually, it might be similar, but you know, you you wouldn't think philosophy when you are talking about politics. So anyway, Gabriel, what are we talking about today? I, I, I'll just briefly refer to the politics and philosophy thing because I, I think it might be interesting, like relatively. So, so the, the interesting thing is, I think sociology is closer to、uh, philosophy itself, as you know, whenever you address political theory, you address it from kind of a social sociological perspective. Meanwhile, with politics, there's like a big line of separation; they don't really mix that well.、Mm-hmm. So it's like studying two different disciplines. But yeah, yeah. but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to have more chit chat, you know, better than nothing, <laughs> in my opinion. So, war in Ukraine. Yeah,、or? war in Ukraine. Yeah. So,、um, so what about it?、Um, so I heard that you are、um, writing dissertation on war in Ukraine.、Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was、um, wondering about、um, what's happening actually recently. Okay, so、uh, I can tell you what's happening today because there's a really interesting occurrence. Uh, so there was a protest uh, in Odessa mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.、Uh, conducted by the Ukrainian civilian population against、uh, the power surges caused by the Russian bombardments.、Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting development,、uh, like with regards to war as a whole. As you know, previously、uh, the government enj- enjoyed staunch Ukrainian support. Like I mean,、mm-hmm. the Ukrainian government enjoyed staunch, staunch Ukrainian support. Russians were always the bad guys, but here you know you've got a. Uh, well, majority Russian-speaking city、mm-hmm. protesting against a, a power surge that occurred due to the war.、Mm-hmm. They know full well why it occurred, but they still they're still protesting and they're still dissatisfied. Ah,、oh. <laughs> oh, well, so so I I guess、um, we're seeing even like this Russian-speaking population going against these、um, Russian regimes. I guess. Yeah. Well. Well. We, we, against. I I I think it's just motivated by an individual. You know. Uh, a very kind of selfish ish.、Uh, it's hard to call it selfish if you know you. you it's very cold in、mm-hmm. your home or whatever. But、uh, it's it's they're doing it from an individual perspective, not a national perspective, and th-、mm-hmm. th- that's a kind of a worry of mine with regards to the war as a whole. That some you know individual perspectives in the West regarding comfort, regarding you know、uh, free access to gas, all that might actually、uh, cause the war in Ukraine to well take a bad turn. Yeah.、Uh, well, I mean, th- this is、um, as far as I remember. This has been all the thing about the United States midterm, and、um, well, Democrats are supposed to lose, but they won because of this manifesto、uh, that they're going to deliver、uh, more weapons to Ukraine, you know, more support to Ukraine, and people, although、um, you know, majority of people in America, I think they're nice. Well. You might have different opinion.、Um, you know, they they thought that these things matter more than the gas price or you know the inflation crisis they、mm-hmm. had. So,、um, you know, maybe that's the thing. But seeing that kind of thing over in Ukraine is actually something quite you know I could never think of. 
But um, yeah, isn't you this uh, where uh, one of our friends came from? Uh, Maria, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, yeah, we we met her yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, I think yeah, we met. I, I, I read a little bit about Odessa uh, mm-hmm. uh, a while ago. So it was kind of the, in the papers that I read. It was kind of described as a practical trading city. So mm-hmm. they don't really care that much under what administration they are. Mm-hmm. In, in Ukraine, you know, or mm-hmm. uh, Russia, they're probably less nationalistic than. A lot of the other Ukrainians in uh, Ukraine as a whole. That's probably why the, the mm-hmm. first main big protests occurred there. Uh, but at the, well, I mean, at, at the same time, they're okay. They, well, they don't care if they're under one administration or the other. But if you know the Russians were to come in there, uh, I'd say uh, I do think they would be saying similar things as the, the people of Kherson were saying after mm-hmm. the liberation. Mm-hmm. You know that they're scared that they know what's gonna what's gonna happen to them when they see a Russian soldier. They're already uh, immediately stressed out. Mm-hmm. So, but. Yeah, still the the stuff there remains. So yeah, well, the I guess this this is going to make the nature of the war into more very longer war, like Korean War, which mm-hmm. happened um three years in my back in my home country. Um, you know, there's countless um, people's lives will be lost, and um, you know, many um, many destructions would happen, and many industries are going to um, you know, collapse in mm-hmm. over in Ukraine, and I I guess that's what what's going to look like um over the next year i guess mm-hmm. i mean it's already partly happened uh, as uh, well R- russia took uh severodonetsk and lysychansk mm-hmm. uh a while ago uh, i my pronunciation is not perfect because i'm polish but yeah, russia, right, right, right. like uh, close enough yeah uh so the has seldom been talked about in the news. So what essentially happened is the Russians uh, almost surround. Well, they took Severodonetsk like by mm-hmm. brute force, but then they kind of uh, for the river next to Lysychansk and almost surrounded it. Mm-hmm. And the Ukrainian forces withdrew from the general area, mm-hmm. and the Russians took almost the entirety of it. The, the Ukrainians later took back some of the areas, but Lysychansk and Severodonetsk still remain uh, under Russian occupation. They're very important mm-hmm. because they're the, one of the main industrial centers in uh, Donetsk mm-hmm. and they, they have big iron and coal reserve, mm-hmm. reserves from, from what I've uh, seen on the various maps. Yeah, I think so. these are in the northeast side of Ukraine. Oh, uh, kind of. So, if this, <laughs> yeah. so uh, say this is Ukraine, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, I'm, ju- I'm, ju- yeah. I'm just drawing it out. So <laughs> it's it's so you've got Donetsk here mm-hmm. and Lysychansk and Severodonetsk is here. Oh, so, yes. so the current front line looks somewhat like this mm-hmm. so that's the land bridge to crimea yeah. that, that's the, 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 yeah okay there you go yeah so yeah we we it seems like we almost um recovered well it's not we uh but you know i'm a honorary ukrainian so, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we've almost then um, recovered almost all land um that was lost by russians and you know and maybe Maybe the war might be all about actually retrieving, um, you know, the previous, um, you know, People's Republic of Donetsk and Luhansk. Um, it sounds like. Yeah, if they will. Yeah, it might be very difficult though. It's the prospects for it are bleak. Like R- Russia took a, another village uh, yesterday. I I forget its name. Mm. Uh, but um, uh, well, they they moved a lot of troops. So that's if they moved, like believe it's. 30,000 troops from Kherson, mm-hmm. very experienced troops as well. I mean, Kherson is a, another big, you know, can of worms. Yeah. I mean, Christ, <laughs> what, a, what a horrendous military defeat on the Russian side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like still, I, I mean, even even Zelensky mentioned that Donetsk is hell currently. Yeah, so. yeah well, what I remember from um, all these um, researchers back in old days is that after Russians took Donetsk and, you know, Luhansk, they, um, you know, many Ukrainian people living there um, left there and there's like literally almost no one left right now there. 
um, compared to what it used to um, back in those days. Um, but as a specialist, um, as a um, person who are quite heavy on research on these kind of things, um, how long do you, do you think the cranium wall might take, actually? Uh, honestly, I've got no idea. It's really dependent on um, how long the West keeps up its support, as Ukraine is currently, industrially mm -hmm. speaking at least, mm -hmm. with regards to ammunition, weapons, and all of that. It's incapable of supporting itself. So yeah. the, the moment the West stops supporting it, that's the moment the war ends, or the West forces you know, Ukraine in any way to broker peace, which mm -hmm. might happen. Yeah, I, I do think it's going to be a stalemate now uh, for a good long time with Russians mm -hmm. taking minor like, swaths of the territory mm -hmm. uh, in Donetsk and uh, Luhansk. I, I do think they will, um, I'll, I'll speculate here a little bit, I do think they uh, will recapture the territory that they lost in uh, in uh, Lugansk. So mm -hmm. yeah. uh, they've got like a big blob uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> in in uh, north of the original territories of uh, Donetsk and uh, Lugansk. Uh, but yeah, I, I do. So in the Ukraine counteroffensive, they recaptured uh, most of uh, Kharkov, mm -hmm. Kharkov Oblast, uh, and quite a bit of uh, Lugansk Oblast. Mm -hmm. So I do think they're going to recapture that. They're going to capture some cities in the Donetsk. Mm -hmm. uh, then they're probably going to broker a peace because no, no side is going to move mm -hmm. in any way. Well, I might actually want to correct you um, as a person who's learning Ukrainian. So um, Kharkov is a um, Russian name. Yeah. Um, Kharkiv is what we English yeah, speakers yeah. use. It actually sounds like Kharkiv. Yeah, uh, I mean, I was pronouncing it in <laughs> yeah. Polish, so... Oh, fair enough, fair enough, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but still, you know, that, that Kharkov, I guess, is yeah. the... Um, Kharkov Oblast, I think, is a uh, one of the most important um, cities, second most important yep. cities in um region in Ukraine. Yeah, and, you know, it, it, it actually surprises me because, you know, what, what I often heard is that, you know, Ukrainians are going to win the war and, you know, they, they're pushing it very hard, you know, we, we are constantly getting victories... Um, and then now um, you're saying that you know actually they can't really support themselves with um, all these supplies yeah. um, and I guess all these trading schemes and logistics as well. Um, it's a big problem, yeah. Yeah, and um, you know, and it's it's a thing. Um, so, what kind of scenarios are you thinking of? For example, we have two years of more of Joe Biden. Um, Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. I'm a conservative, but um, in terms of in the perspective of Ukraine, yeah. I, I guess thank God. Yeah, and, um, I, I'm starting to laugh to myself. So uh, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, even well I mean, we, still, yeah. thank God that Biden is in office. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what a mess it would be with Trump. Imagine that. Yeah. Christ. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, well, we, we are very different people, but we get along with very well. Uh, um, you know, Gabriel is one of my best friends, and, um, you know, he. <laughs> you know, we, we love same thing, liberty, and that's why we're here talking about liberty. Uh, anyway, yeah, so, you know, we, we have two more years of Biden. Mm. And um, do you think, uh, well, I guess Americans are quite important as of now because, you know, they're the key players of Ukraine. Do you think Biden and um, Democratic Party are um, still, um, you know, still want to keep the Ukraine and, you know, keep the supplies going, um, although it takes billions of dollars. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Biden administration, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, if, however, it might be difficult to coordinate that with a 
potential Republican sound, which is looking like well, like it's going to be. Now, little update for you. Um, yeah. There's a Democratic majority of Senate in midterm. Oh, seriously? Yeah. So. Oh Christ, that's so good. Oh my God, because I, I saw that in the house in the House of Representatives. I I I checked it this morning actually. Yeah. It's it's probably like very fresh news, right? Yes, the House is dominated by yeah, Republicans. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, oh God. The Senate. That's brilliant. Okay. So, okay, it's fine. So it's yeah, good. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah uh, but, but there's one question uh, that we might actually worth asking is that the Democrats have 50 seats in Senate, yeah. so that makes brilliant. them majority. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, uh, the last time I checked was uh, 48 Democrats, 49 Republicans. Okay. I was like, uh, oh, yeah, so, yes. so Democrats, they have two independent candidates yeah. who are oh, not good. a part of Democrats. Good, good. But there's one problem of Democrats, which is that so we have one seat left for um, the election, which is Georgia. Yeah. And then, you know, Democrats might win, Republican might win, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's one this senator whose name is Joe Manchin yeah. from West Virginia. Are, are you aware of him? Um, no, no. OK, no, no. yeah. So he tends to be actually voting for Republican. And one thing actually might I might suggest is actually the influence of this guy, Joe Manchin, and whether actually he is supportive for um, Ukraine because if if Democrats can't win his votes, yeah, well, they don't have a majority. Yeah, then, you know, even if they are a majority, you know, they only have forty nine votes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I guess, I guess that that could be a potential issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, well, it, how, mm. how many seats are there? Uh, is I'd it say one hundred seats. One hundred seats. So okay, if you so. have fifty, then yeah, there's there's also the uh, the uh, vice president Harris yep. um, cast one vote. Yeah. So that's going to, in effect, to make it a uh, 51 votes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and um, I was wondering, actually, so that's America. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm, I'm no expert on it. So yeah, we're America. not experts on America. We yeah. Kind I, of, yeah. yeah, I'm just interested in their foreign policy because mm-hmm. like, that, that's the main thing that affects mm-hmm. Europe. So, so yeah, um, I was actually wondering what kind of commitments that European Union is actually doing because I didn't see that it's much. Bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. So, yeah, how bad is it? Yeah. Uh, very bad. It's extremely bad. Uh, so... Um, France uh, is kind of lo- things are looking up in France in general. Uh, when uh, Ukraine recaptured uh, Kherson, mm-hmm. France promised to uh, aid Ukraine substantially with quite a few anti-air systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Germany, Christ, <laughs> Germany, <laughs> what a what a sad joke! Like seriously, I. I'm using very strong words here, but the, that, that's the reality of the situation. Look, uh, here's what they did, the, unrelated to Ukraine, but important mm-hmm. nonetheless. So they realized that um, they won't be able to keep up their trade with Russia uh, right. for, for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they instead shifted their gaze towards China. Mm-hmm. So uh, oh, yeah. recently a plane uh, with uh, Olaf Scholz mm-hmm. and uh, all the major leaders of the major corporations in Germany, oh. they, they were actually uh, competing as to who would who would be able to get a seat uh, to, to the you know to, to the meeting in China, mm-hmm. flew uh, to Beijing. Uh, and in the speech <laughs> that Olaf Scholz gave as an introductory you know, speech, mm-hmm. he said that um, uh, with, with reference to China, that uh, we Germans understand what it is like to be harmed by a peace treaty oh. <laughs> and I, I suppose I I'm not I, I haven't uh, well my, my dad told me about it a little while ago but like I, I think it's it was with reference to Taiwan or with uh, uh, bad yeah. with some bad relations with you know the US or whatever and it's just absolutely disgusting and they haven't been given g- giving any uh, sort of aid to Ukraine really well uh, just uh, yeah. also briefly mentioned at the start of the war mm-hmm. uh, well uh, one week before the commencement of the war, 
they sent uh, 5,000 helmets to, oh, yeah. to, to <laughs> Ukraine. And the, the, Ukrainian, the Ukrainian minister of uh, defense replied, how about you send 5,000 pillows next? They'll be just as useful. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, this might, sh- uh, this might have shocked many people. Um, so b- at the beginning of the war, so... I myself is a quite a huge democratic um, activist. You know, I um, I I send I save five percent of my spending um, every month, and um, I make I made a separate account, which is I call it Freedom Fund, and I always use this for the democracy of um, the world, and I contacted to one of the Ukrainian units um, around uh, March and April time, and I asked them. Uh, I asked them, I didn't ask them, I told them, I'm going to send you some supplies. What kind of supplies do you want? And then they said, like, uh, we might need um, a lot of military boots and we might need um, some night visions or um, dot sights. So um, I gathered some of my fellow Koreans who did like me and we built all these military boots um, around the Europe. Uh, I called to a military surplus shop in Canterbury that I used to know whether they've got any boots. Well, surprisingly, they didn't have any. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Anyway, um, we gathered all these. Um, we built like two night visions and three um, dot sites. Not that many because these are really expensive. Yeah. Um, and we sent we sent it to Ukraine, and they received it. Um, I put Korean flag and Ukrainian flag there uh, just to make sure that it actually came from South Korea. Very cool. Yeah. And these men, so the guy texted me. Oh, uh, we received your thing. However, no one took night vision or um, those sites. Everyone took the boots first because they were out of boots and they were literally fighting barefoot. Yeah. yeah. And this surprised me actually so much that, you know, Ukrainians are fighting, you know, fighting with their last, you know, with their last scotch to, you know, to these. And they, they're fighting in very, not very condition, um, well, those days. So um, is supplies any better now? Well, that's a very interesting story. I mean, mm. like, really interesting. I mean, I, I don't really know, to to, to be frank. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the, the, well, I do know that boots are always scarce in war. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, because, yeah. it's, it's it's the first thing that <laughs> you that you essentially want. And I do know that um, uh, they have been acquiring loads of books and cigarettes. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so that's relatively interesting because mm-hmm. it's so hellishly boring on the front line. You know, you're yeah. sitting in a trench. Uh, under artillery fire, mm-hmm. the, the only two things that you want to do is smoke. Uh, one, <laughs> two, maybe read a book if you've got oh, a, yeah. a bit of a break. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad did. Um, well, I you know you know if I were to spend money on my uh, own, I'd just essentially be spending my dad's money because mm-hmm. like I'm, yeah, I'm a student. Yeah, like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I just Yeah, how else could I do it? Uh, but my uh, dad, uh, along with his uh, Ukrainian friends and a bunch of other people, bought mm-hmm. like I don't know, I think twenty trucks for uh, Ukrainian logistics. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but I, I I don't know the precise logistical situation. I have to be actually you know sitting there. I mostly know uh, about the um, well, I I just know about the more macro stuff because mm-hmm. that's the only information that's really available to me. Outside of that, it's just you know slight tidbits on uh, social yeah. media mm-hmm. from from people that are actually there, but they don't reveal a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I was actually wondering. Um, um, so the war has been going on quite significantly, and there has been at least um, tens of thousands of casualties, um, possible casualties, which makes me insanely sad because Ukraine is like my second home country, you know, <laughs> and um, uh, 
anyway, um, so is um is these kind of logistics fine? You know, the manpower. You know, are, are they all right? You know, are they can can they um sustain the war effort um longer than next year or something? so it's it's hard. It's, it's very hard to say actually. So the the Ukrainians don't really uh, reveal a whole lot of information, but I heard that it's hard. They're use they're losing about estimates like. The estimated they lose about a hundred men uh, in Donetsk per day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, hu- hu- huge losses daily. I mean, it's, it's not you know, mm-hmm. on the it's not on the scale of World War Two, but like, <laughs> yeah, no, but still, that's a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the, I I know that the Russians. Well, the problems up until now is that they were relatively undersupplied. About <laughs> extremely undersupplied. Yeah. I heard some ex- extraordinarily funny story. Uh, yeah, that's that's the tradition of Russia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> being undersupplied. Like, oh, who, who needs a, you know camouflage to cover up artillery shells? <laughs> well, why do a dugout to the you know like store artillery if we can put in a warehouse? Three seconds later, you, you American intelligence detected that a warehouse is filled with you know artillery shells. They told yeah. the Ukrainians to direct the American. Uh, Heimer's launcher at, at, the, <laughs> at the warehouse and they blew it up like um, that's a regular situation but uh, the, the problem is that um, if I do think if Western aid continues Ukraine will be in a good situation it's not, it's not because you know it, like a lot of people say it's you know Ukraine's getting fancy NATO weapons mm-hmm. or, or, or whatever it's I, I don't think it's that I think it's the basic bare-bones stuff ammunition uh, clothes yeah. Uh, various forms of support. I mean, I, I so Poland gave Ukraine a bunch of uh, you know old updated Soviet era tanks, mm-hmm. and I do think that these have been well. I'm, I'm not trying to flatter my country yeah. here anyway <laughs> or anything, but I do think they have been extremely useful to Ukraine because it's mm-hmm. uh, the Soviet equipment is compatible with their yes. base logistical system. Mm-hmm, yeah. M- meanwhile, normally they have to you know if they get NATO weapons from America, mm-hmm. they have to mix. And match uh, yeah. the two logistical systems, which is a big strain. But mm-hmm. uh, so previously, the Russians have been like absolutely horrendous with regards to re- mm-hmm. logistics. They, yeah. they they didn't get it at all. Uh, maybe they'll change. We'll, we'll see. If it does, it's not very good. But yeah, but this this is my theory. Well, I study aerospace engineering, yeah. so um, I am slightly qualified to say this. Um, but I think I think this is actually the the value of liberty comes from here, which is that you know. Mostly this liberal, not not the uh, American liberal, but you know, yeah, very, the, proper yeah, liberal. <laughs> the democratic and liberal countries tend to actually yeah. have quite good logistic systems, and this brings true ingenuity of men, um, in my opinion. Um, and I guess um, Ukrainian Ukrainian military engineers has been actually doing their best to um, keep these um, things going. I mean, Ukraine now, for example, when it comes to artillery system, they're using two different ones. You know, one hundred and fifty-two. And one hundred and fifty-five from NATO, um, yeah, and um, I I guess this is actually a huge effort for um, Ukrainian men. Um, is it true, or you know, how is it going actually? Oh, well, I mean, uh, I'll briefly refer to the uh, mm-hmm. liberal logistics part. I I do think that's mostly caused by um, them having a lot of resources, like a lot of resources. Mm-hmm big uh, trade routes abroad and all of that. I mean, there's, there's a really funny story because uh, the, the Russians and Soviets, they usually flatter, flatter themselves 
uh, or they used to flatter themselves about their you know Russian ingenuity. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, I spoke to my dad a little bit ago, and mm-hmm. we kind of speculated that the Russian ingenuity was caused by a general lack of resources. <laughs> yeah. There's a really funny story about a, a couple of Russians, uh, Russian astronauts uh, mm-hmm. flying into uh, into space. Mm-hmm. Um, it, well, well, the Americans wanted to do it as well. Mm-hmm. The Americans were thinking of a way in which they could actually have the uh, astronauts write in space. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to invent a pen. Uh, mm-hmm. That yeah, could be yeah. used in space, and you, mm-hmm. you need gravity for a pen to actually mm-hmm. work. Uh, yeah. For example, and you know they invented a bunch of fancy solutions. Meanwhile, the Soviets mm-hmm. simply used pencils. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, you know, yeah. Well, I mean, I. Oh, sorry. What was the question? Actually, so, the, the yeah. question was, um, you know, um, aren't Ukrainian, you know, Ukrainian men or Ukrainian soldiers um, doing actually a lot better than we expected? Oh yes, certainly uh, a billion yeah. a billion times better than anyone yeah. expected. Really, I I do think that uh, so a lot of people th- thought that at the beginning at the beginning of the war, mm-hmm. uh, Putin was bound to fail. I, mm-hmm. I don't think he was. Uh, I certainly don't think he was. Uh, I I do think that um, the the vic- the initial victory in the war in the first three days mm-hmm. uh, during the march on Kiev was mm-hmm. secured by two things. One, Zelensky uh, staying mm-hmm. in uh, in Ukraine. And two, uh, civilians simply assembling and forming up a yes. genuine defensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, when the war started, I like my mom came into my room. I, mm-hmm. I, I was visiting, you know, I was back home in Poland. Mm-hmm. Uh, she woke me up at uh, like six fifteen in the morning mm-hmm. and told me that you know uh, Russia started bombarding Ukraine. Mm-hmm. I just got up and for the next like two weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't do anything else but like investigate the war and yeah. on the first day uh, on the Kievan front mm-hmm. the Russians advanced uh, three kilometers I knew it because um, I calculated where, uh, the uh, approximately the distance from the closest blown up bridge by the Ukrainians uh, yeah. to, to the actual Russian border first day f- three kilometers second day 33 kilometers uh, third day 36 kilometers yes. oh no sorry 33 30 36 mm-hmm. uh, the, the, that's how it went and it was extraordinarily terrifying. But then yeah. they stopped the Irpin, and yeah. th- that was the, um, mm-hmm. th- they actually stopped at a um, at a genuine population center. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ukrainians assembled. They had Zelensky's help, mm-hmm. uh, and they beat him back. And thereby, they kind of uh, destroyed his original plan of gaining a complete political victory, as all his wars mm-hmm. previously have been fought in the post-Soviet sphere of influence. Yes. Where you just, you know, the mighty Russian army came in yeah. and attained a great political <laughs> victory every time. That, that didn't happen here. Mm. So it turned into a conventional war and they had to withdraw from the north. Well, so. this might be slightly Russocentric, but, you know, this, this as well sounds like all these myths and legends about the, the, um, the defense of Moscow during the, um, mm. during the World War II. You know, the civilians, they volunteer, they yeah. dig up trenches, you know, they... Um, pick up weapons, they fight, you know, and yeah, and th- seeing this story, I mean, you know, I, I was, I, I was very, very, I, I was in tears, like, almost all day, uh, I remember that day, that, um, so I, I had a date um, on that night, I remember it, yeah. um, so we had a nice time, um, I think it was, I mean, both of them were Emily's, so I, I think it was one of the Emily's. I'm not sure which one. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, to, but, but, you know, I'm not that bad. Uh, don't worry. I'm, I'm not that bad. Person. I just don't remember which Emily it was. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> Anyways, I yeah, so, what, so, I remember sending, like, 3 a.m., yeah. sending, a, sending a message to this Emily woman, um, Emily lady, saying, Russians finally did it. They, they invaded Ukraine. Yeah. 
and 10, 10 minutes later I, I didn't want to believe this and I sent her actually never mind this might be a fake news but yeah. you know it was a real news and you know and I, 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 I saw this terrifying moment you know Russian um, Russian armoured forces um, getting into uh, the outskirts of Kiev yeah. um, all these things and then suddenly you know Ukrainians heroically you know defended it and I actually, I actually still believed, well, I'm very biased, but I actually still believe that Ukrainians are going to win. Because yeah. I know Ukrainians, and I know Russians, and comparing these two, Ukrainians are more better equipped to yeah. you know, defend all these things. And I guess these kind of human factors, you know, mm. all these, you know, the patriotic uh, people who are very liberty-loving and, you know, wants to ensure that liberty stays in their hometown, is quite unnegligible, I guess. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a particular fan of the concept of liberty in general, because I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's been kind of corrupted in my home country. Oh, kind yeah. of, so it's like it's like a bad word to me. Someone, but yeah, I, I, I do get the general sentiment. I mean, the, the, what, uh, at the beginning of the war, I thought that Kiev was not going to be taken any time uh, in any. Speed, like it's not going to be taken quickly, but um, I did think that um, I, I didn't really consider the possibility of a uh, political uh, Russian victory, and that was the only way in which the Russians could have won, uh, like mm -hmm. then and there. Uh, they've deployed a lot of troops to Hostomol Airport, which is it's now destroyed and very mm -hmm. famous, uh, very close to Kiev, and they kind of want to so state well, what they did is they uh, deployed a bunch of Vedava, so mm -hmm. uh, paratroopers uh, yeah. around various airports uh, in Ukraine and in spots that where they were supposed to disrupt logistics and cause general chaos mm -hmm. uh, in order for you know the enemy, the, the Russian enemy in that case, the Ukrainians, to, to, to lose morale, while their main forces kind of you know uh, advanced mm -hmm. and uh, connected with uh, the Vedava troops. Mm -hmm. um, to the extent that happened, uh, but a lot of the Vedava troops were killed, and uh, Irpin became, you know, essentially a, you know, a, a, the stalwart defensive point of uh, of Ukraine. So, yeah, and uh, it's a, it's it's a very um it's a very heroic story. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so, right, yeah. yeah. Well, and anyway, um, yeah. So, yeah, th that's something that I I was wondering. So, yeah. what would be the best scenario for Ukraine for now? Um, you know, what kind of scenarios that we could expect, um, quite realistically, that, you know, Ukraine is going to retrieve Crimea and, you know, um, the lost land in the east, Donetsk and Luhansk, um, without getting nuked. Do you have any ideas? I mean, I don't think they're going to get nuked, to be honest. I mean, I, no, I, I do think that it's... It's within the realm of possibility that them retrieving. I don't think they're going to retrieve Crimea per se, but I do think it's within the realm of possibility of them retrieving a huge chunk of Novorossiya. Well, to be fair, I really wish Ukrainians to retrieve um, Crimea, although it was lost yeah. in twenty fourteen. But you know, since when I was young, since when I was a little kid, I always wanted to go to Crimea. You yeah, know. Uh, it was my dream place to be there, but yeah. now I can't. But anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, carry on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I. Well, I've, I've got my hopes up. It's currently looking at it's, like it's going to be a stalemate and Ukraine is going to lose a fourth of its territory, probably. It's still going to, you know, 
it's still battled Russia bloody, but I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Zelensky said that they want to keep on fighting Russia mm-hmm. uh, as long as it is uh, possible and as long as Putin is uh, kind of in office currently because they don't want a resurgent Russia that is going to encroach on their lands again, mm-hmm. which might, realistically speaking, happen. But I mean, here... It's not dependent. Well, it is probably dependent on the the Ukrainian uh, on the Ukrainian you know resources and possibilities, which I think can stretch far further than Western support, which is another key factor uh, in mm-hmm. this you know in this puzzle here. Um, so yeah, I mean just <laughs> it'd be best to monitor you know the West. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you you thinking that you know these. Crimea or Donetsk or Luhansk probably is going to be quite hard to retreat. Oh yes, extremely, yeah. extremely. extremely. It's, it, um, urbanized areas, uh, lo- loads of Russians sitting on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they're uh, you know, a, an army of formed out of civilians where a lot of their equipment isn't functioning oh, properly. Yeah. But I mean, Christ, the the the, 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 vajor- the majority of the Ukrainian forces that defended uh, Donetsk and uh, Luhansk originally were formed up of professional officers and mm-hmm. uh, troops from the Territorial Defense Force, so civilian mm-hmm. volunteers. So we've got, it's very much a people's war on both sides. Mm-hmm. So, so it's going to be quite heavy resistance yeah. um, that we saw in open in Kiev. Yeah, well, makes me sad though, because well, I'm from South Korea. And you know we we are a divided country. Yeah. Um, it's not that we hate North Koreans. I mean, we do love North Koreans because we're saying North Kore- we're saying Koreans, but you know we are simply divided because um, Americans told us well we sh- we should really stop the war and just leave the North Korea team. Yeah, that might happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I guess this might happen in one year or two year time. Mm. I guess. And, you know, it's, it's going to be really sad news for Ukrainians because no matter how people in Crimea wants to, you know, wants to go to Russia or not, you know, these is a very integral part of Ukraine. Yeah. And so, well, I might be a very honorary Ukrainian or something, but is this a general sentiment in Europe? Or does EU, many people in EU think that, well, we can leave Crimea out of it? Yeah, <laughs> essentially, yeah, they, 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 a lot of them, like, especially in the West, uh, like, in Poland, it's just, uh, I don't think people are thinking in terms of, like, specific uh, territory acquisitions uh, mm-hmm. by Russia. I think just thinking in a, on a, uh, they're using a war peace binary, kind mm-hmm. of. So Poland is going to support Ukraine as, well, for a very, very, very long time. So if mm-hmm. Ukraine wants to recapture Crimea, Poland's very likely going to be there for a mm-hmm. good long time. However, like other states such as, you know, France, Germany, they're kind of looking towards a peace solution. Oh, yeah. so, you know. uh, France less so now because they realize that the, that the winter has turned, mm-hmm. but like it's still there, you know. It's, it's, yeah. To them, it's a far away war and a far away land that they think that the, they don't see really. I, I don't think, I at least don't think that they see very many differences between Russians and Ukrainians. Mm-hmm. So they don't really care that much, which is great shame especially because it affects them in substantial ways it's like christ ah well these days the more i hear reality you know the more sad it becomes okay Um, let's let's, okay how about we change topics to a more positive thing yeah the the more positive thing now let's talk about the ukraine itself yeah now so if i'm not wrong well 
well, the Ukrainians I see, well, Yuri or Maria, mm. um, are very, two very patriotic people. Belarusian. Sorry? Maria. Bel yeah, Maria is a Russian, actually. Belarusian. No, not Marina, but... Oh, Marina. oh Maria, Maria. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Marina. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. So we, we have two friends, one of them is yeah, <laughs> Marina. We, we, and yeah, I, I thought, we, you, we thought you were saying Marina. So, okay. yeah, we have a Belarusian friend, which who I might actually bring here uh, one day, if, if she's free. Yeah. But, you oh, know, she, she's currently in London, I think. So. Yeah, she's yeah. in London. So, yeah, um, she's a Belarusian. She's Hard also, to contact her. Yeah, she's a very freedom-loving lady. Um, yeah, very freedom-loving lady. Um, she's a really nice person. Um, and she studied, I think, uh, politics and economics. Yeah, yeah. politics and economics. She, she, she was the previous uh, president of the of National Affairs yeah, Society. The National uh, well, I'm the, I'm the current president of the International yes, Affairs yeah, Society. Yeah, we forgot to say. This ah, is, uh, yeah. <laughs> He's the president of International Affairs I'm, Society. I mostly just, uh, you know, organize speakers' events and uh, drinking, mm -hmm. you know, parties. So that's, yeah, uh, that's my main thing. Still, but, it's a lot of work. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I do things in liberty society and it's, it's a lot of work, I dare yeah. say, you know. Um, anyway, so... You know, the, the, the Ukrainians I see, well, we see, are mostly very patriotic bunch of people. You know, mm -hmm. Yuri uh, has very broken Ukrainian, but still, you know, she, he's a very patriotic person. Yeah. Maria, um, very patriotic, you know, um, she's from Odessa, but still, you know, very um, devoted to Ukrainian nation. And I believe that this war has brought some, you know, this, some sort of a, you know, the national identity of Ukrainians that has been missing for ages. How do you think? Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, y y Yuri uh, mentioned to me, uh, like, b before the war, I, I mm -hmm. mean, b before the actual war commenced, that um, in school he, the, he was taught that uh, the, the Ukrainians had, like, 200 rebellions against the various occupiers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, prior, I was like, okay, we, we, I mean, we, as Poland, we had, like, two, mm, three yeah. major rebellions. He had 200, so, like, yeah. I don't know, a um, dissatisfied landowner mm -hmm. got his grain taken from him. He took an axe, killed uh, two yeah. officers, and, you know, we've got a rebellion. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it was kind of a way for them to uh, make up for the fact that... Um, mm their national history was really stripped from them uh, mm -hmm. unjustly yeah. by other nations mm -hmm. so yeah yeah i mean compared to poland i'm not trying yeah. to um derogate your nation but you know for example you know one of very famous um german generals for example um, erwin rommel yeah. was actually born in poland in um what is named as i mean what used to name as posen in german i think mm -hmm. it's named poznan now um, yeah. in um, in poland Whilst Ukrainians, it's very, it's very, um, it's very um, notable that they're keeping all this national identity, but off the surface. And now it is on the surface and is firing. Yeah. And do you think this would actually affect, um, affect some Ukrainians to actually, Ukrainians all over the Europe, going back to Ukraine and actually building the Ukrainian nation again? Or do you think they're actually just going to leave? elsewhere in Europe as they do now. Maybe. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I think mm. quite, quite a few of them are going to come back uh, once Ukraine is, uh, you know, uh, once there is peace in Ukraine. But it's, mm -hmm. it's going to be a diff it's going to be very difficult. I mean, the, the economy was really bad before the war, like mm -hmm. per capita, one of the worst in Europe. Yeah. Like e even Yuri uh, mentioned that uh, um, he's only capable of, uh, he was only able to go to university because of Western health after 2014. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I do think a lot of them are going to stay in like Germany and Poland mostly. Mm -hmm. uh, quite a few, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, they're already becoming a part of our society. They have children, you know. 
the children are going to end up speaking both like Ukrainian or Russian or uh, and Polish. Um, yeah. So, well, that, that's what which I'm is great. I I, I absolutely love that. I I adore the idea, but you yeah. know, still, there's Ukraine. Yeah. So, well, but that's what I'm really worried. Um, I might be a little bit too much of Brexit oriented person, but you know, like like what happened in Poland, where everyone just left Poland and you know just settled in Germany, Britain, France. Oh, they did come back eventually. A lot of them, yeah. Yeah, I, I do respect them actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they, you know, these actually uh, did. I do have much respect to um many Polish and Ukrainian friends. You know, they 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 always come back. But let let's say Romania, for example. You yeah. Know, all of them just left and never came back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, do you think this will might affect people? I think, come back in the future. You know, build a Ukrainian nation and actually make functional economy like as of Poland right now. Oh, okay, so so if mm-hmm. if Ukraine becomes a member of the of the EU, yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. the, I I think that they will come back then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- this might well, we might have different ideas on this one. I I wish Ukraine not to be the part of the EU. Why not? I I just don't think EU is a good thing. <laughs> what Christ, for Christ's <laughs> sake, you know. <laughs> I, I'm doing a research project on mm-hmm. uh, currently with like a uh, with a doctor from the uh, LSE on mm-hmm. uh how how Poland's legal internal legal changes are affecting Ukraine's ascension to the rank of an EU member state. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's the it's one of my two main ideological suppositions. I'm extremely pro EU. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's with regards to development, security, and all that. Mm-hmm. It's just one of the best things you can literally have in Europe. Like, mm-hmm. one of the the best thing really. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know that we both are very own free market and free movement. Oh, no, no, well, I'm, not, I'm not that free market. Well, I mean, the EU is basically built on the free market. Well, so I'm, I'm so social democratic and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but still, like, free market not as mean as... Yeah, 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 I, I, prefer the, I, yeah I prefer the free market to a completely controlled socialist economy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not, not the um, controlling the economy, but free market between the countries, you know, oh, without yes, yeah. no tariffs. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we both are very, you know, free market on different, you know, when it comes to trade... Oh, Oh yeah, we've got iPhone storage for okay. Ah, okay. Okay, I did a mistake. Stop it. No, no, no. Okay, let's let's get going on. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So, okay, I I did say mistake. I filmed it four key again. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um. So, well, we we start podcasts anyway. Yeah. So yeah. So anyway, so I I always thought that um, you know, I I always I always thought, you know, we we we're all very free market oriented people. And you know we we love free trade between um between countries, but you know the thing the thing that I actually worry about the EU is that it is going to be very exclusive only inside the EU. Well, of course Europe is a very large place and it has a huge diversity and things like that. But what I worry is that it's going to be only exclusive to European countries and. They they are they might be missing out, cooperating with countries like very democratic countries like the United States, um Australia Canada, well UK because we are out of the EU now um, yeah. um South Korea um, arguably Japan Taiwan and places like that. Uh, well, I mean, if we can sustain um, ourselves like on our own with regards to resources, which we can't, mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't be a problem like in my perception. But we can't. Uh, as such, we have to maintain ties, like trade ties, with other countries. So I, I don't see that. Uh, I don't see that happening. As it's just a matter of necessity, not of mm-hmm. choice, really. So. Yeah. Um. I I have to make sure that my ideal is basically 
all of these democratic countries, developed democratic countries, you know, Europe, um, UK, um, Canada, United States, Australia, New Zealand, South Korea, Japan, coming all together, have no tariff between each other, free trade, absolutely, and freedom of movement so that anyone can live no, wherever I, they want. No, I wouldn't like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. I mean, uh, that would kind of have America be the dominant player everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not that great. I mean, I, I do I, I do like... Do I like America? I'm I'm very I'm very skeptical about it. I I, I do think it's far better than the, the alternatives, but I'm mm-hmm. uh, I I would much rather see a European independent government uh, that is capable of sustaining itself. So um, you see, so back into Ukraine, um, you see the Ukrainian future lies inside the EU yeah. and um, as a very solid member of the EU. But yeah, I mm-hmm. think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting perspective then. My national never perfect. Um, I came from South Korea, so you know maybe I'm very biased to America, but you know that's that's a very interesting um, perspective. And actually, this shows I think this shows a divide between the the American side of you know the liberty loving people and the EU side of liberty loving people, and maybe Brexit or anything that harms Euro American relationship. Maybe may have come from Russia or China. In, um, in what degree do you agree? Uh, well, I'll just refer to the liberty loving <laughs> part briefly. I mean, I don't think, I don't think people in Europe care about that much about like liberty per se. It's not really a concept. We just kind of take it as a given. You know, you got you've got basic governmental rights that are granted to you by the state, uh, most often uh, that have been fought over for years and years. Uh, with bloody revolutions and it's like if, if they're not there it's just you know our basic needs are not fulfilled mm-hmm. but like I I don't feel really a need to mention that uh, you know we're liberally loving because like you know we're just kind of living our lives and that's <laughs> yeah uh, could, you, could you remind me of the question precisely cause I yeah the um, we have like divide between Euro and American relationship right yeah. now um, you know um, and do you think that China or Russia had some sort of interference between Europe and, you know, Europe and United States. Like, you know, Brexit was one thing, you know, Brexit divided America and Europe, like, mm-hmm. for forever, basically. How do you think, how, how do you think um, about the Russian influence on Brexit? Do you think there was a meaningful influence? Or? Yeah, well, I, I think there was certainly some influence. I mean, right-wing populism has kind of been sponsored by uh, Russia. I, I absolutely detest <laughs> right-wing populism. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it in any way, but I mean, I I, I never thought that Europe was that close mm-hmm. to the US, really. It was more like a dependency, mm-hmm. if anything, for a good long while, especially during the Cold, the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of, it's, I, I do think there's a natural trend of Europe moving away from mm-hmm. the Anglo-Saxon world and very much becoming its own thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a negative thing as because uh, we're going to be allies either way it's mm-hmm. r- r- really not, not a major thing it's it's more like europe becoming its own entity its own mm-hmm. power uh, and reducing uh, u.s influence in that it is not it's surrogate essentially <laughs> anymore so yeah yeah well whatever happens you know i i urge um every listeners that we should never forget that no matter how different ideas we have, well, Gabriel and I, and you know, many, you know, Europe and America, Europe and South Korea, South Korea and Japan, 
no matter how different ideas we have, I think it's very important to remind ourselves that we both love freedom and liberty and we are actually brothers in arms, you know, when it comes to, you know, fighting against those thugs in China and yeah, Russia, of course. of course, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, talking about Ukraine, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, um, made us get into this kind of conclusion and, yeah. um, you know, we're almost out of time. So anyway, mm -hmm. um, thank you for being here, um, Gabriel. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll, we'll see each other very soon. Um, yeah, absolutely. Actually, on Friday, uh, do you still remember the, uh, the, uh, the cookout that I'm going to do? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, well. so you, you have to be um, on here Friday. With, cool. Yeah. Um, and yes, uh, so yeah, um, and I urge every listener to do this, actually. Um, so Friday, um, 25th of November, Friday, um, yeah. is the day that the Martyrdom's son died. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very yeah. fortunate. Yes. Um, he was invading Korea and um, he was bombed by an American bomber because this arrogant piece of person wanted to and cook stir-fried rice with eggs yeah. in the middle of the night uh, and the American bombers so the light and killed him so and yeah, you know we're going to so we're going to we're going to make stir-fried rice with eggs uh, you know yeah, enjoying, yeah, yeah. enjoying it with very sweet freedom and democracy that's, and wine yeah and wine of course yeah <laughs> uh, that's with, without wine there can be no democracy I I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, democracy only happened because of wine, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of, I actually went to the pub that George Washington used to drink with his friends. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a good pub. But anyway, yeah. uh, killing the chat, you know. Um, so I urge everyone to cook this wonderful piece of cuisine that Macedon's son killed himself making it, <laughs> and think about how. Uh, we are going to enjoy all these great values of liberty, freedom, and democracy. Um, yeah, and that's what I'm exactly going to do. And I'm actually thinking of um, inviting Maria this time as well. Um, nice, cool. Very well, hopefully she accepts. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's going to be a dinner of freedom-loving, well, two Ukrainians, um, two Polish, one South Korean. Good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, this, was, um, this was the podcast, and um, I'll see you next week. Thanks so for having me. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs>